1 Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Rev Recovery. Today, we have a very special guest that I'm excited to introduce you to, Leslie Neese. Now, if you are a Survivor fan, you may remember Leslie Neese from, uh, I guess it was the China season. Friends, I don't, I'm not a huge Survivor fan, so I don't know these things, but Leslie is best known for being a sister Christian, the one who walked out of a Buddhist ceremony due to her Christian beliefs, but she's way more than that. She's someone whose story is so powerful and how she's been willing to transition and change. She's a phenomenal trainer. She's a speaker. She was a radio host, but she's also someone who's willing to just see life differently and through new lenses. So with no further ado, here is our wonderful conversation with Leslie. Make sure you stick around for the quote at the end. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Recovery. I am so excited to have you here. I'm one of your co-hosts, Sarah Heath, and my other co-host is... Justin Gentry. You still took a breath. <laughs> I, I, feel like, I, I feel like that was very quick. But no, I'm not surprised. I knew it was coming. I was ready. And <laughs> that's my name. And I'm here as the co-host of this show every week. And we're glad to have you here. This is a show for folks who have maybe transitioned out of ministry or thinking about transitioning out of ministry. Maybe you were a super volunteer. Maybe you had one career, you're looking at another. Maybe you just listen to this because you hate listen, in which case, please join our Patreon. Uh, We are Mm -hmm. so glad to have you here, no matter why you're here. And today, I'm excited to introduce to you uh, someone who has been part of our Discord community is also, so that's the recovery room, is also someone that I've gotten to know a little bit, Leslie, who is... um, I am ex- excited for all of you to hear her story, so I'm going to let her tell it. <laughs> Leslie, you know how this goes. Our question is how always- How long were you in for? <laughs> how long were you in? Okay. Yeah, and yeah. what were you in for? <laughs> well, I would say I started in ministry in probably 2004. My husband and I sort of gave our hearts to Christ and did the surrender thing in 2003. And then a year later, I found myself- on the radio, Christian radio, doing a morning show. And I did Christian radio probably here and there, you know, everywhere, basically, uh, until about 2019. And then I kind of pulled away. But I did some other things along the way. I was a fitness instructor at our church. I I even opened a gym and had a like a, a ministry through my gym called uh, Transform. And it was like a class that we did. And we would, you know, try to transform our thinking, you know, Romans 12, two, you know, let God transform the way you think, oh, um, nice. all of that. So, like you know, I've been in ministry for a while and I'm a writer, I'm a speaker. Well, I was, <laughs> haven't been doing that in a while. And you did some podcasts and things like that uh, along the way. I was also a voice for Abide. I don't know if you know what that is, a Christian meditation app. I was 
I was one of the voices, but I wasn't slow enough. So they let me go. They kicked me to the curb, but that's okay. I get it. I'm way more hyper than that. I know. I'll call you next time I can't fall asleep. Don't do that. Cause I actually, I got (laughs) fired. So it's all good. We're, we're good. Yeah. So that's, that's about my, my length of service. And one of the things that I find like you never lead with it, but I think it is such an interesting part of your story. Oh, why don't I do that? You're right. I don't. Because who would? I mean, it, because yeah. it's part of your story. So <laughs> part of your endeavor to be like a super good Christian was to be a very public Christian, which you did yes. on a little show known as? Survivor. Yes. <laughs> I was on Survivor China in 2007. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. You might remember me if you are a Survivor fan as Sister Christian. Mm-hmm. I was the uh, the one who walked out of the Buddhist ceremony very respectfully. And I think, you know, I look back and I'm like, I totally did the right thing for myself at that time. But, you know, a lot of a lot of the way I played the game and everything, though celebrated in Christian circles, was uh, incredibly fear-based, afraid to make God look bad, afraid that I was going to lose my job as a radio host, afraid that people I was mentoring would, you know, be led astray if I said a cuss word, which I did, but they didn't show it, which is hilarious because I like so stressed out about it, you know? So it was just a lot of fear in that. So, but it's interesting because before I did Survivor, like when I would do speaking engagements, I was always like, go, come on, let's be great Christians and let's talk about our identity in Christ. And let's, you know, and I was very encouraging. And then I came back from Survivor and that experience really changed me because I met people outside of my Christian bubble. You know, I was in South Carolina, the buckle of the Bible belt. I was on Christian radio. I was literally just like, I mean, it was, I was very entrenched and and I loved it. I'm not going to lie. I loved it. The hard part was when I would see the underbelly of ministry. Literally every ministry I worked in, I got a deep soul bruise. Every church I went to, another deep soul bruise. And I started to think, what the heck is wrong with me? Why is this everywhere I go? Like, So I started to sort you know, as a Christian woman, you're taught that everything is your fault. So I took a lot of that blame on myself. And of course it had to be me because everybody else is amazing, right? So I, you know, I kind of went through a little bit of a deconstruction period, but not fully at that point. You're kind of caught up at this point. I mean, there's so much there. There's so yeah, much it's there. Interesting the Yeah, I'm kind of waiting for you guys to ask a question. You both look like deer in headlights. <laughs> it's not <laughs> like, deer in headlights. Even go with us. So well, I, I actually think my first question is so you did you say that you kind of became a Christian and then were a year later yeah. were in, Well, it's interesting. Yes. In well what radio. happened was like, that's it is incredibly quick. quick. I was an infant. But the truth is I grew really fast. I, my, my parents had me in church from about the age of 10. And so, you know, my dad was like the deacon, the Southern Baptist, and I was like going to church and playing the game, but then like left home and went to college and said, forget about it. That's too hard. Like God hates me because I love Pink Floyd, you know? And I, I just couldn't figure out like how to please God enough. And so I just ran from him. And didn't really come back until I was about 33. And that's when all that happened. But the first, my first impression of God, though, was I was seven years old. My mom was a single mom at the time. And she had us go to vacation Bible school. And I heard about Jesus for the first time, which is awesome. But that's not the part that stuck. Because I also heard about the devil. 
And I'm not even kidding you when I tell you, I remember like Mm -hmm. having visions of Satan with his little horns coming up out of my floor in my bedroom, like terrified. I was absolutely terrified of him. Even though they Mm. told me the good news about Jesus, like all I could think about is this, you know, seven-year-old child was how Satan wanted to bring me to hell. And so I would just slept with my mom for, I don't know, months. The poor thing, she was probably like, what the heck is wrong with you? I'm like, the devil's in my bedroom. So that was my first uh, impression of Jesus. Like I heard about him, but- it's interesting because you said Satan sin. stole the show, yeah. <laughs> right? Which makes sense when you say that, like most of what you did was out of fear. Yeah, absolutely. Fear of getting it wrong, fear of um, other people being affected by who you are, fear yeah. of losing your job. There was so much fear. Oh, I can't. Like, if I wait a minute, I have a list here. I actually, I'm. St- I've started writing a book. I don't know if I'm ever going to publish it. It's probably just for my just therapy or whatever. But I talked about like all the things that I was afraid of. Listen to this. Fear of sinning, fear of making others stumble, fear that my decision to follow Jesus didn't take and I was deceived and would end up in hell. Fear that my husband or my children would burn in hell forever. Fear Mm -hmm. that I'd say something wrong when I was speaking or writing. Fear that I'd make God look bad. Fear that I'd miss the rapture. Holy crap. Did you guys have rapture trauma? Oh, yes. Oh my gosh. I was so afraid. Yeah, a bit. Justin, you're so easygoing. Yeah. Justin's like, well, well I know, missed the rapture. Eh. Oh well. well I, I think that's maybe what it was. I, you know, yeah. I, I think I maybe saw the benefits. I, like, I, oh I knew the people gosh, that were going to get the rapture. That's so funny. Like, okay, so fear of that, yeah. Um, and I also was afraid that the rapture would come before everyone I knew would come to Jesus. Fear that I was, yeah. and get this, if you've been in ministry. Mm. This is a trigger warning. Fear that I was a Jezebel spirit, that I would make my brothers in Christ stumble with my clothing or my style. Fear of Satan. After all, he and God were playing tug of war with my soul. Uh, I've seen fear that of, dance. Oh, it's Remember terrible. That? Yeah. Oh, yes. <gasps> what was it? Lifehouse or something? Yeah, Lifehouse. Oh, um, anyway. Yeah. Fear of doubts. Uh-huh, fear of questions. Sketch. Fear of certain teachers, leaders, and pastors who I was told were heretics. Fear of the world, fear of the government, fear that I couldn't trust myself and my own heart and my own intuition, fear that my sin would build a big wall between me and God and he wouldn't hear my prayers, and even fear of evil. So much, in fact, this is embarrassing to admit, I would not allow my kids to go to the Renaissance Festival with their classes in public school because (laughs) I was like, they're going to get bewitched. Like I was terrified. They didn't watch Harry Potter. I wouldn't let them watch anything on Disney Channel that had a witch in it. Like, I was terrified. My mother-in-law even told me at one point, don't let them watch Care Bears. And I don't know what that was about, but I didn't because I was like, she said not to let them. So I would like literally think about the fear that was just like following me around, you know? Yeah. And I love Jesus. Like, I totally believed in him. I told, I was fully sold out, but like, there's so many times that a pastor would say, you're saved, you know, if you just say this prayer. And then they would say, oh, but Matthew 7, 21 says, many will say on that day, Lord, Lord, did I not do this right. in your name? And he's going to say, yeah. away from me, you who do evil. You know, so like there was yeah. this like, what if I'm deceived? What if I'm this? I literally, literally people who have anxiety come out of this like really banged up. That's what I'm convinced of. Well, I was at a, I think I told you this, um, I was at a mm-hmm. coffee shop the other day and I heard a guy and he was quoting the verse that you just quoted. 
to a group of people at the table, like a, a group of men. There was 12 dudes or somewhere around there. It might have been. It probably was 12. Uh, of but it was. He, but he, <laughs> he literally said, like, when we get there, like, some of us just haven't done enough, guys. Some of us, you know, it's about a relationship, not about, like, you can't mm-hmm. be an acquaintance. You have to be a friend. But and then how thinking, do you know if that's who you are? How do you know? Like, I mean, right. it's the idea of rejection never being good mm-hmm. enough. And the guys that are lou- yelling the loudest are the scaredest. And, well, and, and yes, whoo, that's the truth. Well, and I always guy. said that Matthew seven twenty one verse is what got mm-hmm. me on stage and mm-hmm. speaking and talking. And like, I was such an evangelist, you guys. Like, I really just wanted people to know Jesus because I did not want them burning in hell. And you know, I, I know there, there may be people hearing this cause I'm going to share this on my page. And, um, there's a lot of people from my past who are going to hear this and be like, Oh, she's sold out or she was never really one of us or, you know, all the stuff that I would have said mm-hmm. six years ago, you know, I understand where you're coming from, but like something happened to me about five years ago. And I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for, I'm so thankful. God took me literally into the wilderness he took me out of the Bible Belt and he <laughs> plopped me in the middle of Utah. <laughs> yeah, you are in Utah. Yes. That's that is that is a yeah. <laughs> He's like, I don't even know what to say. Yeah. No, but like wow. coming here, well, when we first came I, here, I like everybody from, you know, South Carolina was like, Oh, you're gonna be such a light. You know, all those poor Mormons, they're so lost and they're going to hell and you're going to save the world. So, you know, I'm already coming with even more baggage than, you know, what I had to pack because on my shoulders was the, you know, I've got to save all the Mormons. So I come here. That is a lot of work. Oh, Because they keep, they make a lot of people. I know. And you know what? And frankly, they're lovely and they don't call themselves Mormons. So I'm going to, I'm going to refer to them as LDS. That's LDS, Latter-day Saints. I want to be very respectful. Um, But yeah, when you, when you meet them, they, I was surrounded by them when we first moved here in, in a, you know, housing development. And, and it was funny when we first moved here, I was, I would be like, honey, do you think they're Mormon? Do you think they're, you know, do you think they, before I knew to call them LDS. And I just would, because I was like, so amazed that people could believe the stuff that they believed. Right. Right. And then all of a sudden I started going, wait a minute. Okay. So Mm -hmm. the day we moved in, all these LDS people came over with gifts and jelly and like beets they grew in their garden and like bread and just food and loveliness. And they were so wonderful. And I was like, man, this is so much like the Bible belt. It's just a different religion, right? They're so nice. And, um, you know, of course they invited me to church. I, I said, no, you know, no thanks, but you know, I love Jesus. It's cool. (laughs) We're good. And they were just so nice. And I, it was probably a year and a half later, I looked at my husband and I said, you know, and I mentioned one of my friends in the neighborhood who was like literally the most amazing woman and loved Jesus so much. I said, are you telling me that she's going to get to heaven one day and God's going to be like, "Mm, yeah, you didn't do it right. I know you, you sought after me with all your heart and I know I answered your prayers and I know that you tried your best, but you know what? You weren't you're a, like a half hair off. Yeah, you were not the evangelical American we were Christians. We weren't so, like close friends. I was like, like I just you don't weren't see in my top this. five MySpace. Mm-hmm. So. Right. <laughs> I don't know you. I it just occurred to me for the first time, like, yeah. I just don't know how I feel about that. And I and I started to like listen to heretics <laughs> like Rob Bell and yeah. you know oh. and yeah, all the teachers that I was told not to 
listen to like Jen Hatmaker, you know, I was like, I just want to hear what they have to say because they told me not to. And if I just texted her today, shut up. She's love her. She's great. Love her. We love Jen. Uh, you know her. That's so cool. I love that. She's a great um, human. She Huge is a great mentor. human. But yeah. but you know, I was afraid of her. And I was afraid of Rachel Held Evans. And I was afraid oh. of, you know, all of these people who were heretics. And so, but when I started reading their stuff away from the Bible Belt and started trying to seek God for myself instead of being told what to believe, I just started to say, Okay, God, whatever you have for me, I'm I'm here uh-huh. for it. And I would say, if you don't want me going in a certain direction, just let me know. He's let me know that stuff before. And I knew he would. And he never did. It was like, keep going. As a matter of fact, I'm sorry, I'm talking so much, but um, this, this is a podcast, Leslie. Welcome. I know. Glad to have you here. Hey, You're the guest. That's the point. <laughs> no, I just... Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know if you're aware, but and and yeah, no, in radio, radio, they're like say it in two minutes or less, and then get out. Like it's not this. about you; it's about the music. That's that's where I'm used to. So, well, okay, okay well, that's in. great, Leslie. Well, in fair. this moment, you are the music. So I am the music. On. Okay. Well, yes, you you are We're the music. Getting We're getting out music. of the way, so the music Thank can do its thing. Well, when I first started not going to church, this I was still in South Carolina at the time, and it was really just for my mental health. I had been hurt so much, I just. I couldn't bear it anymore. So a friend of mine said, you know, Leslie, when I think about you, I think about, you know, Jesus was in the boat with the disciples or that he was on the water and the disciples were in the boat and he called Peter out and he said, come walk with me. And so Peter got out of that boat to go walk with Jesus. Maybe that's what he's doing with you. He's bringing you out of the boat to spend one-on-one time with him. And eventually you and Jesus are going to get back in the boat. And I was like, you're right. You're right. So I kind of went with that. That I, It resonated. I'm like, all right, Jesus, let's do this. Let's walk on the water. I want to see what you got, right? So, but out on that water, as the years went past, and I'm like, <laughs> we're still not back in the boat. What's going on? I realized, I realized very quickly <laughs> that there were people all around me in the water and they were drowning because they had gotten out of the boat mm-hmm. and they weren't focused on Christ. They weren't focused on anything. They were just disillusioned and hurt and, and totally soul crushed. And they just gave up. And I was like, I don't like this. So then I was like, come on, Jesus, let's get back in the boat. And I go to get back in the boat and the boat is like sinking. There's like holes all over it. And I was like, well, what do we do now? You know what I mean? Like, so I have been the last five years of my life since moving to Utah, trying Mm -hmm. to figure out what do I do now? And for somebody who clearly loves to talk. I have not been, I've been so silent and it's been so unusual and I've just been learning and listening and, and just growing as a human and just not being afraid (laughs) because God tells me not to be afraid for one thing, right? He tells us not to be afraid. And And he also tells us that he's love, right? And so if God is love, the, the hell thing just started to not make sense to me. And I know that's mm-hmm. scary for people who are listening, who are from my past. And I love you. You're going to hear me keep saying that because I just know if it would have been me six years ago, hearing a friend talk like this, I would have been like, oh, off the deep end. They're heretics now. But I, I, I'm on that mm-hmm. water with Jesus and I'm listening and, yeah. and he's a lot better than we give him credit for. And God is not in a box and he is not, he's not evangelical Christian. And I think, and you guys hear this every time, and you've even said we need to call this podcast 2016. When 
when Trump, Mm -hmm. when all that started happening, I was not comfortable. I was like, okay, what's going on? By 2020, I was done. I was like, if they're convinced that he is the answer, Mm. what else have they told me that is true that isn't? Because I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, this man is not the answer. You know, I I don't know. Like that whole thing just opened up my questioning. I, I gave myself permission to just say, you need to go see who God is for yourself. Stop listening to your teachers and your pastors and your leaders who are trying to keep you in this box. And I, my husband and I were joking around the other night and we called it Arrested Development. It, and not the TV show, but like, that's a good show. But like it, Arrested Development, when you are in a place where you're not developing as a human, you've just accepted everything as is. You're not going to expand. You're not going to grow. You're just going to continue in your arrested development. Well, you're also taught to fear development. So like yes. think about like make America great again or any of these yeah. ideas. It's all about going yeah. backwards, but the backwards was never good for anyone really, honestly. No, and it's not what they thought it was. And that's the whole thing. Yeah, it's it's the imagined past. Yes. It's the like this is what we this is when we weren't alive then or we were kids then, but you know, we imagined it was great. Right. And and that's because and, we were sold and, the story. And, a time when we didn't have to think about all these things. We could just, men could be men and women could be women and, you know, whatever. And so it's, yeah, it's this imagined thing. I, I think it's interesting though, and none of it was ever true. Yeah. Cause yeah. anyway, yeah. Well, if we want to grow, if we want to progress, uh oh, what was that word I just used? Progress. Yeah. yeah. Problematic. Progress. Uh-oh. Oh, no. you mean you're not in arrested Progress. development? You're progressing? That can't be good. You must be horrible. You're woke. Mm-hmm. You know what? The truth is I am. I am yeah. awake. I can see things for what they are. And I feel like the last five years of my life, really being alone with God and just saying, none of this makes sense. Help me see it your way. Looking at the Bible through a lens of love. All of this has felt like childbirth in a way. Like not me giving birth, but me being given birth to like, like I was so comfortable in my womb of <laughs> my box. Do you know what I mean? I was so comfortable and I was so in control and I had every answer. And if I didn't, well, God knows what he's doing and he's higher than our ways. And, you know, I, I had all the answers, but then all of a sudden, like I started contracting, <laughs> like, uh Oh, something's happening. Mm-hmm. So for the last five years I've been in labor or whoever's caring is in labor. And all of a sudden, in the last couple of months, I feel like I have finally broke through and I can see my new reality and it's way bigger and it's way more beautiful. And it, it's so much more inclusive. And it's, you guys, I just can't even tell, like, it makes me want to cry. Like, I can't believe Mm -hmm. the lies that I believed about other people and how they weren't worthy. And I, I just want to spend the rest of my life making up for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. You do. <laughs> I figured really, you did. That's, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I want to say something that I think most people listening to this will realize it, but I think most people that progress or or leave the church or deconstruct or whatever you want to call it, become woke, they did so because they were following Jesus out mm-hmm. the door. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and most people's experience is like yours, Leslie, in the sense that like it was because their view of God expanded or mm-hmm. their view of love expanded. It wasn't like, oh, I just wanted to sin, you know, <laughs> like I just I just couldn't handle the truth. 
you know, like the truth of, I don't know, Trump, Jesus, I don't know, whatever it is. Whatever the but truth like, is in that moment. I, I find it in that, it's, I, I think it's most people are leaving. Mm-hmm. I would say just ballpark, I would say 70 to 80% of the people that are leaving yeah. are leaving because their understanding of love, their understanding of God, their understanding of Jesus has expanded beyond beyond that yeah. this tiny little conservative container. Right. And, and, and I think that's important. And I think it's important to say that, um, and, and I think that's a good thing. It's such a good thing. And I think that honestly, that should be celebrated. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's not. And and it, it is scary. It is scary because what's next? Who? What's next? What do you believe now? And it, it's hard for me to even articulate. Like some days, I, I on my other podcast, I um, my co-host and I joke that we're atheists like one day a week, just to be honest. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. But it's like, I, but I I hold my beliefs with such levity and freedom. I can joke like that, mm. um, and it's and it's fine. Like I'm not worried. Like oh, you know, Wednesday's atheist day, and God's gonna strike me down or something. At, I don't have an atheist day, folks. But I'm just saying. No, like, I know. I know exactly. It's just what you're a way saying. to be honest. Because there were times I was an evangelical Christian and I would go days or weeks and be like, I'm basically an atheist today. <laughs> like, and I can be honest about that and I can joke about it. And then there are other days where I'm like, I, I think I'm still a Christian. Like June 1st when Pride Month starts. Yes. And I see all of my LGBTQIA mm. friends like that are Bless intensely like fighting for their space in Christian spaces. I'm like, I'll be a Christian today. Right. Absolutely. I'll take up that yeah. fight. Hundred yeah. percent, absolutely. I'll take up that fight. Like you can be my pastor, per, you know, whatever person. Like I, I will, I will be part of that church for sure. And so I, I think it's it's different. It's more complicated for sure. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that it's important that that I, I will continue to emphasize it and shout it from the rooftop. Like most people aren't leaving for the reasons that we're the not trying to sin. I don't want to sin. It's not like, like that. You know, it's, it's more of, yeah. I, I just want to love more. And I just remember being told, mm-hmm. you know, that, that homosexuals, LGBTQIA, you know, they, they're not going to heaven because they've chosen this over God. That is their, that is their God because they've chosen that lifestyle. Well, I know too many people in the, in my life at this point, one of them I met on Survivor, Todd, he was on my tribe. I asked if I could talk about him in the podcast, by the way, because he was, really instrumental in softening my heart and making me go, Mm. what, Jesus, do I have to hate him or do I have to shun Mm -hmm. him or do I have to say I love him, but then treat him like junk? You know what I mean? Like that's even worse. But I just, I know too many people that really like they would never choose this. They would never choose this life because it's too hard. You know, if you could just make a choice not to do it, you would. It is the way they are born. And why can't we just celebrate them as a human being who is full of love. They just want to love somebody for crying out loud. They're not trying to indoctrinate anybody, you know, like, like I know so many LGBTQIA and I have been listening to them for five years now. Thank you God for opening my ears. But I will tell you, not one of them ever tried to tell me, you know, now you should be gay. <laughs> now you should join the club. You need that to join the club. Yeah. I mean, never once. And nobody's ever put a pass at me. It's silly. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, some who are like, sure you don't want to because it'd be fun yeah. for you and yeah. i'm like nope not my flavor and they're like great cool okay you seem well, kind nice of hopelessly that. straight <laughs> i'm like thanks. thanks like literally i've been called 
hopeless or straight before. But never has anyone tried to recruit me. Nobody's trying that. Like they're really just trying to live their lives. And, and the reason they celebrate pride isn't because pride comes before the fall. It's because they're trying to say, listen, I'm proud of who I am. Even if you don't accept me, I accept me. And like, they're just trying to be loved for crying out loud. How do they not see this? Like, it just makes me crazy. And it makes me even crazier. I think that I used to be that way. And I just don't see it in Jesus. If we're going to live our lives like him, we are doing a very poor job of it. If we are telling anybody how to stay away from God, like you need to stay away from God. You're not good enough. Those Mm. are the people, you know, Jesus had his harshest words for the religious people. You know what I mean? Like he called them what Mm. they were considered almost cuss words back then, like a whitewashed tomb, you know, like dead and decaying bones are on the inside of this like facade, right? He called them like hypocrites. He didn't even mince words. You guys, we don't even say that. Like, we're just like, you're mean, you know? And Jesus is like, no, you're a hypocrite. You know, you're a jerk. You're taking people away from God. How is that like Jesus? And to bring it, to bring it full circle, that Matthew seven twenty one passage yeah. was talking about those people, right? you know, right? like, Cause it's in that it's in the it's in the context of like good and bad fruit. Like you'll know people by the fruit they produce, right. and like that. I and mean, that was the that was the thing that started me questioning because I really I started going like, okay, so we're teaching people day in day out mm. how, that you know homosexuality is a sin or whatever. What's that producing? Yeah. What is the functional result of teaching that to people? Contempt. Well, you either get bigots, yeah. either you become a bigot or you become suicidal. Right. Like those are the two options right now, honestly. And neither and one of those are acceptable as far as I'm concerned. Something is not right. working here. And so maybe if we were to test the fruit or test the spirits, as Paul says, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I can I can use the language all day long Same. to be like, yeah. this is rotten. Yeah. And And I think that... And that's that's okay. And I think the the issue is that people are like, oh, well, well, who are you to who are you to judge? Who are you to, you know? It's like I, actually, I am in the position to judge. I'm. We're right. taught. We're told to judge. Oh, but but who were <laughs> we told to, to judge? And, and, and to look at the functional result. Yeah. You know who we were told to judge is the people yeah. inside of the church. What is it? First Corinthians five, where Paul Don't tells ask the us church. Anymore. Leslie, oh, sorry. I'm anymore. like, I, yeah, it well, it was good though. I mean, he said, you know, don't, I wasn't talking about people outside of the church. I was talking about people in the church. Those are the people I want you to judge. The other people leave mm-hmm. them to God. Like, what are you doing? Like even Paul said that and he's like their mascot, you know? So I, I don't know. And here I am saying there, I, this is what I hate about religion, us versus them. This is what I yes. hate about it. It doesn't matter what religion you are. You believe yours is the one. And I think that's one of the biggest things for me coming here is seeing answered prayers, seeing people with such faith for a different religion. And they are absolutely 100% convinced that they're right. Just like I was, just like Muslims are, just like Jewish people are. You know, it doesn't matter what you are. You believe that yours is the right one. So like, is the gospel good news or is it not? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, is it for everyone or is it? Not because if it's not for everyone, it's not good news. Right. Rachel Held Evans said that. She yeah, did. she did. She said it's the worst news of all. Mm-hmm. I think there's so much to be said about the expectation too of like, I expect people who used to be what I was, even even as you talk about um, living in Utah and some of the expectations you had of Mormon neighbors, I 
this morning. I don't know if you follow Tiffany Rose. She's this uh, therapist who is uh, ex-LDS. And mm-hmm. she this morning woke up and her pride flag was missing. And uh, she's queer. And looked to the side and her pride flag had been mounted. So mm-hmm. her pride flag had been, she attached it to like a light and it kept getting caught in her garage or whatever. And so she can't find it. And she looks over and it's in a very nice flag holder mounted on the side of her house to which she goes, well, that's fascinating. Looks on her ring camera, her neighbor, who is one of the heads of the Mm -hmm. LDS community in her area, comes over, no word said, mounts her pride flag, never knocks on the door, just wants to like, it's very lovely. And walks mm-hmm. away. And she I said, wow, I've done so much work to help people like out of this community that I've held so much anger towards. And it was just this beautiful like, huh. And of course, that doesn't erase all that she experienced no. as an LDS member or whatever. But it's more about like allowing people to be what they are in front of you mm-hmm. and not the assumption of what you think they're going to be one way or the other. Right. And a lot of the messages mm-hmm. we were given were like, we're saving people from who they are when in fact we didn't even know who they were. Well, we didn't care to ask. Um, no. it, we weren't you know, I, I, I heard something, I know. Well, I was watching a movie with my husband the other night, probably one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Um, it's the new John Wick movie. I don't like the fighting. If you like fighting, you're gonna, it's going to be your jam. <laughs> but so but there, was, there was literally one, there was literally one thing I went, Oh man, that's good. I got to write that down. And the guy had a quote and he said, fool's talk, which I'm talking a lot. So forgive me, but it is a podcast. So I I believe I have forgiveness. (laughs) Fool's talk. Cowards are silent. The wise listen. First Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change, it's a podcast about seeking moral high ground, and it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, and if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know. Mm. Boom. Like, and I realize I, I, that's what I, you know what, though? I have literally been silent for five years, so I feel like I've earned the right to be able to share <laughs> a little bit at this point. What you heard. But, yeah, but yeah. But it's different and I, than sharing what came, like... It's not, it's more sharing like, hey, after five yeah. years of listening, this I, is what I heard. And you may not be able to hear it from the people who you should right. hear it from, the original speakers of it, but maybe right. you can hear it from me. Well, and you know what? Here's the thing. I'm not here to teach anybody anything. I just want, I'm tired of living a life of duality, to be honest, because online people don't know where I'm at. They, you know, the people back in South Carolina have no idea where I'm at with my faith. The people in West Virginia, people in my family, they're all going to be like, what the heck? I'm going to be at the top of every prayer chain. It's cool. Whatever. I could always use prayers. So go for it. But the truth is they're not, they, they have no idea what I've been going through. And, um, so that's why I wanted to do it. And you guys, I, I actually, <laughs> I've listened to a lot of podcasts and a lot of deconstruction podcasts 
because that's been my literally the only the only thing that I could find that was saying what I knew I needed to hear. It was like, oh, that makes sense. I can breathe, you know. But I went through a period where I was just mad. You know what I mean? Like I was just mad because a lot of the voices in this space are mm-hmm. so angry. And I started mm-hmm. listening to your guys's podcast, and you said in one of them, you said, "We're not mad anymore." We just want to make space for people who are tired of being mad. And I was like, I want to be on that. That's where I want to tell tell my story because I'm not mad. I'm really not. I get why people believe the way they believe. I'm not making Mm -hmm. excuses for them, but I am telling you, I was them. And Mm -hmm. I understand how easy it is to be in that space. And especially when you never leave it. So my challenge to people who are still in that space and think everything is okay, get out and go somewhere where there is another religion that is more popular than yours and be quiet for a few years. And then tell me what God shows you because it's not about, I can't convince anybody of anything. I don't even want to. I just want people to see how I see it now. Do you see what I'm Mm. saying? Mm. I love that. I love it. Well, we're going to take a lot of that. I think a lot of that anger is, Oh, sorry. No, no, don't say you're sorry. Sarah, go. No, I was just going to say we're going to take a brief. Cut it out. We're going to go to break. We're going to take a brief break, and then I want to come back to what you're going to say about anger, Justin. Now everyone is going to want to come back. Excellent. Let's do it. (laughs) Let's hop back in with Justin. You were going to ask a story before, or ask a story. That's not what I meant. Ask a question before I so rudely. Ask a story. You were going to ask a story prompting question Eh? Uh, before I so Mm -hmm. rudely interrupted. So please, what were you going to say, my friend? Well, I, I think I want to talk a little bit about anger um, because I think I think anger is a justifiable reaction to leaving these spaces, um, particularly for those of us that made our living doing this. I mean, every now and then I still look at my student loan debt that I accrued for ministry that I don't use anymore, and I get angry. I think that's that's normal, but I think. I think there's there are some people that have made their platform their anger and or have just made their presence their anger. And I'm wondering, I think for me, at least I'll just speak for myself. A lot of my I think there's justifiable anger. I'm not going to. Well, sorry, let me back up. I think there's there's anger that is Mm. normal and good. And I think there's anger that's like maybe sustained in a way that is Mm. destructive. I wonder if at least my experience was a lot of that anger was actually really more directed at myself and the things that I had said and the things that I had done and that I wasn't resolving that in myself very well. And so I was just angry at everyone that made me think of that. And I'm wondering if we could kind of just talk about that a little bit, how how you experienced <sighs> anger maybe as you were leaving. Well, if you for did one thing, at all. I love this and question. Then, if that was more directed yeah. at the other folks or if it maybe it was like, mm, this is actually directed at me. And I, yeah, I know that is like the most a, beautiful question. Yeah. You kind of gave a vague and then I just, was, I just left. I just got out of the boat and we're like, but no one's just sitting there looking and like, I'm just going to get out. Like what prompted you? And then, yeah, exactly. The question mm. that Justin asked. That's a great question. You know, I think a little bit of it was the hurts that I experienced, the inconsistencies in how, you know, people would behave. Mm-hmm when the microphone wasn't on versus when it was, you know, I, I really tried hard to be the same person, you know, in front of people that I was, you know, when I wasn't with people and I tried really hard to always base everything on love. I really did. Did I get it right? Heck no. I am sure I messed up, Mm -hmm. but 
it was it was so bad in some places that I mean literally and it's funny I when I was in like entrenched in ministry was when I was on anxiety and depression medicine I'm not anymore mm. I'm not because I'm just not anxious anymore I'm not I'm not mad I'm not depressed I'm I feel free. Literally, it is for freedom that Christ set me free. So I am finally experiencing what that looks like. So I think that had something to do with it. I think the way people were treating people that I loved and and the answers weren't, they just weren't satisfying to me. I remember asking somebody who was very, very well respected. He was actually a, you know, a a PhD and, and taught at the local college. I was like, why, why can't homosexuals get to heaven? Like, I don't understand. He's like, well, it's an abomination. And so I looked up abominations and there's like thousands of them, well, hundreds in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And like, some of them are really Mm -hmm. dumb. You know what I mean? Like, well, and all abomination means in the original language is Mm -hmm. that which is outside of the norm. Right. And, 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 but, but I thought to myself, well, I know people who do this, 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 and this, why are we not just excluding them from heaven? You know, just starting to do that work. I think knowing Todd from Survivor really prompted me to do the work. And then I found whenever I would go to a Survivor event, because we do fundraisers and fun things, you know, little reunion things, like all of the the LGBTQIA people loved me. And they all called me mama, because that's what Todd called me. And like, they would friend me and I would be like, I just love you so much. I love you. I like my, my love for them was like exceeding what I think was acceptable you know, to, in my circles, like you need to be praying for them. You need to make sure that, have you sealed the deal with them yet? Literally somebody asked me Ooh, that. Have you and seen, I was like, sealed the deal. are you mm. kidding me? No, stop it. For one thing, that's not my job. Yeah. And for another thing, like, what do you mean? Like, are they just, are we just yeah. salespeople? Are we like, and then developing relationships with people just so I could share the gospel so they wouldn't go to hell, you know, like, instead of like, really just being curious. And that's like my favorite word now, curious. I'm so curious about everybody now and nothing scares me. I just feel like I am, my eyes are open to such a better world. So I think that's what started it. But I, man, the anger, ooh, the anger, it was bad for a while. Like, especially get this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is this just me? But like the car, when I'm in my car, I feel like yeah. so safe to be a complete, sorry, asshole. Like I really do. And I say words mm-hmm. that, yeah. and I get mad at people and I'm like, oh, you're such a blah, 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 blah. You know, and I'll say, and my kids look at me and they're like, what the heck is wrong with you? And I thought it was because I was in Utah. I was like, it's the Utah drivers. <laughs> and granted, they're not great, but mm-hmm. I will tell you, I think it's because I was going through this process. And when you, when you are born out of a thought a consciousness, which, you know, my Christian faith, that all was my consciousness and it was safe. And when you're born out of it, you go through a grieving process. And I, you know, I was in my anger phase, but boy, I didn't like it. It felt unnatural. It felt really good. And I didn't like that. You know what I mean? Like, I felt really good to say that, but I had to go through it. And I had to say, I'm mad at myself. I'm mad at myself for what I've done. I'm mad at them for what they taught me. But then like on the other side of that anger, I finally found peace with, that's all they know. That's all I knew. I did the best I could. And and my daughter said something to me. She's 33. She said to me, you know, mom, the one thing I love about you is that no matter what you've done, no matter what phase of your life you've been in, you've always come from a place of love. 
Mm. And she said, I'm so proud of you for that because, you know, I know I was being hard on myself. You know, I was in the denial phase for a while where I was like, I'm just a terrible person. I've got to get away from church because I'm going to, I'm going to taint these poor people that, you know, that are trying so hard to love God. And then they're going to see me with doubts and questions and I'm, I'm going to make them stumble. So I'm just going to leave, you know, I protected them. That's why I left. Mm. And so of course I was angry, Mm. but I'm not, I'm just not mad. And I I, it's a miracle, literally lots of prayer, lots of, lots of just learning to love and love just really trumps fear and it really trumps anger. And anytime you can just, I'm just going to love people today. I'm not even going to think about how mad I, you know, I'm just going to love on people. It, it literally changed the way I think. I love that because anger is a motivational factor, but it doesn't work forever, right? Like our central nervous system can't stay in anger. One of the things Justin and I talk about is like, what now? Once you have, and you, you like kind of phrased it well, Justin, this idea of like, what comes after? This is the. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I I mean, I can, I burnt myself out being angry. I certainly burnt (laughs) relationships, like being angry. And, And I think there's, there. I don't want to paint anger as like a bad thing. It's not. I think no, it's it is not. absolutely justifiable it and it's empowering. Yeah. Like I mm-hmm. think it is, it's, it's, it's there for a reason. It's a perfectly valid emotion. And especially when you're grieving, it's just part of the process. But I, I do, and we've talked about it probably before on this podcast. Occasionally I'll see someone who's like fresh out of the church, maybe like maybe a year or two out. And I'm like, oh, you're, you're in that phase. Like that real I, angry I, phase. And, I, and it's, and it's and it's empowering and I'm glad you're feeling this, but let's I'm hoping yeah. you can because because again for me it was like I'm mad at myself. I'm mad at myself for missing this so long. I'm mad, mad at myself for treating yeah, right. queer people so poorly for so long or for voting the way I did for so long. And so like I feel like I gotta make up for it. And but then like yeah, you become yeah. like an evangelist, but like a, in, in a bad way, like because you're still we're still in this, mm-hmm. you know, capitalist salesperson. You're still mad you know, environment. So it's like, well, now I have to, you know, now I have to evangelize for my new thing, which is, you know, being <laughs> angry at conservatives or whatever. And right, right. I, yeah, I think after, after oh, a certain amount of Justin, time, it's what? pause. That's beautiful. Yeah. The idea of my new evangelism is being angry. At kids. <laughs> that is. Yeah. yeah. And, I and you should be, I'm not saying you shouldn't be, but I just, right. if that's all your personality, maybe, maybe, it's maybe gonna wear on you. tone that down a bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it'll yeah. Wear on it'll you burn out. And it, that, that's the mm-hmm. thing with me, like my personality, I'm a lover, not a fighter. Maybe that's why, you know, American evangelicalism didn't stick with me because mm-hmm. we're warriors. We're going to take on the world and you're a warrior for Christ. And you're, you know, I'm a, like, battle, you know, take up your weapons. None of that makes sense to me. I'm a lover, not a fighter. And so like, Mm -hmm. I could not be angry for very long, but that's just me. But there are people that are going to be longer, you know, angry a lot longer than me. And I might wake up tomorrow and be angry and that's okay. You know, it's just Mm -hmm. like, oh, hello, anger. Nice to see you. Okay. Let's get this out of our system and then move on. You know, it, instead of staying in it and just marinating and all that, agitation. It just doesn't work for me. So I guess what's next for me, I don't know. 
I think what I'm what I'm going toward, I'm actually working with an incredible life coach named yeah. Sarah. <laughs> it's true. We're working together. I never yeah. out my clients, but it's Well, true. you don't have to, but I'm going to because you're amazing. Um, I was only met twice, but like I can tell you she's really helping me because what I want to do is similar to what you're doing. I want to help people. I want to be a life coach. I'm going to go get my certification at the University of Utah. And um, once I do that, I want to start helping people who've suffered from religious trauma and help them see that it's okay. You know, you're going to be okay. Because when I went through this process, like I said, I was so alone and it was so hard. I would always say to myself, if there was just one person I could talk to who Mm. got it. And it's hard to find people who have been through religious trauma who were in ministry. It's easy to find people who've been religious. I mean, everybody's been through religious trauma, I feel like, but like who's, who've actually been in ministry and have to transition from a ministry mindset. And as a woman in ministry, my gosh, we basically did everything for free. You know what I mean? Like I never, I mean, I made a little bit, but it was literally the littlest of bits. And (laughs) I know the men made a heck of a lot more money than I made. I didn't care because I was there to save people from hell. So it's okay. You know, but, but when you carry that out of ministry and you try to like position yourself in the world, you, you got to find your voice. You got to find your comfort. You got to find that, that passion and you got to believe in yourself. And Sarah's helping me work through not being afraid to ask for what I'm worth. You know, that's, yeah, that's a though. hard thing as for a woman, women in ministry, guys, ugh, we're worth so much more. We really are. Yeah. And, and it's, it's yeah. sad that we're made to believe that we aren't. I just, I think it's, I mean, most people that we have on the show were underpaid, but it's shocking to me the mm-hmm. number of women that just weren't paid. Oh like, yeah. Mm-hmm. With either the same credentials or the same amount of authority or the same workload. And it was just like, Oh, we don't need to pay them. And yeah, that's um, unacceptable is a mild way of putting it. And that certainly needs to change. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Well, I am so grateful, Leslie, for you coming on today and for you sharing your story. I know it was a really big deal for you. And it's often, we don't take it lightly. It's often something that we're aware of. It is not something that we, sometimes I think, yeah, that people think this, but it's not true. We, We know that every story is difficult to tell. And so thank you so much for sharing your story and for willing to be authentic, which I know is a huge value of yours and telling people where you're at and not trying to be like the cool, no longer Christian or wherever it might be. Instead, just being who you are. And um, we appreciate you and your work. Where can folks find you if they're looking for you, if you're willing for them to find you? And then is there anything that you want to share with the community? Um, Well, you can find me on all the social medias. I even just uh, signed up for Thread. Threads? What is it? Thread? I don't know. I don't think the anyone knows what it is. Oh, you don't? It's the new like the, Twitter, the new, but it's I mean, through, I, we do. I signed up for it. I just it's don't the understand Zuckerberg what it is. Twitter. <laughs> of course, I've had like one post. I don't know. You'll understand Threads as much yeah. as you did Twitter. Okay. Well, so, so I'm on. I'm okay. on Twitter, but that, it's yeah. really I'm just a lurker. Um, and I'm on Threads. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, all of that. And um, yeah, I. I'll be, you'll be seeing me more. I think this was my first step. I needed to, it's like, how can Mm -hmm. I coach people through religious trauma if I'm not willing to talk about my own? So I, this is my first, I feel like I am, I thought I was going to throw up in the beginning, but now I feel like free and excited because I know, and I know this is true. 
like you can hold your story in and, and be safe in your circles or whatever, but you're going to miss out on community. And I know that there are people who are struggling with the way things are in the evangelical mm. church and they don't know who to reach out to. And so I'm someone you can reach out to now. Um, I, I won't, you know, it's not, I'm not charging doing the coaching yet, but I can be a friend. I'm just getting all my education and, and getting coached and I'm going to be out there before you know it. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. And thank you, friends, for staying around for another episode of Recovery. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you are enjoying the conversations you hear on RevCovery, you can continue the conversation with us and many more incredible people in the RevCovery room on Discord. To access our Discord, please join our Patreon to become part of the RevCovery room community. You can join for as little as $4 a month, and this helps us produce the show, as well as gives you access to the community resources. Check it out at www.patreon.com revcovery. We know that not everyone is able to financially support the show, but there are lots of ways to support us, including giving us a five-star review wherever you're listening right now. And make sure to like and subscribe across all social media. Revcovery Room is our Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook handle, so you can find us there to keep the conversation going. Now on to some final thoughts and this week's poem. Friends, thank you so much for sticking around to the end of an episode in order to hear the quote or the reflection or just the thing that's kind of been inspiring us lately. Sometimes it's a poem. Sometimes it's music lyrics. You just never know. Hopefully this episode showed you what um, Justin and I believe about the entire season, which is just that there's so many stories out there and um, there's so many ways that kind of this faith transition or work transition affects people and changes people. And we're just so grateful for people who are willing to share their story with us because hopefully in it, you're hearing a me too. You're hearing that there is something um, that you can connect to. And I'm so grateful to Leslie for being willing to share her story. You know, it's interesting. I think oftentimes we think we know people's stories and those people who have been quote unquote Christian celebrities, even written books. uh, Sometimes we think we know them. Uh, Leslie wrote a book called Wholehearted, and she'd probably be embarrassed that I share that with you, but I think it's incredible. She wrote these books about living an authentic life, and it was trying to like pursue that and live into that that led her to walk away from the way that she understood faith in the past. And so I'm grateful for the way that she's showing up authentically and trying to wholeheartedly live. And so as I was thinking about this, I thought about Glennon Doyle, someone who was also a celebrity in certain fields and then had a, yeah, just a lens shift, a life shift, started looking at things differently and wrote this book that I think is great called Untamed. And the subtitle is what I love about it. Stop pleasing, start living a modern or sorry, a toolkit for modern life. Anyway, the quote from this that kept coming up as I thought about conversation with our wonderful Leslie was this deconstruction is essential to construction. If we want to build the new, we must be willing to let the old burn. The building of the true and beautiful means the destruction of the good enough. Whatever relationship, friends, you might have to the word deconstruction, because I know a lot of us have a lot of baggage around even the language of it. We do know that we're all sort of building something new. And I wonder how many of us have questioned what is no longer good enough. And as we pursue the great, what are we willing to let go of? I'm grateful for stories like Leslie, of people who are willing to almost give up their celebrity, give up the way that they were known, and be willing to say, maybe I was wrong. Again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for being part of this community. I'm sure that you'll hear advertisements about Discord. And if you can, if you're hearing this in the time that you can come and hang out with us at Theology Beer Camp, I hope that you will. I'd love to spend some time with you in a room. So I hope you're having a great uh, week, and we will talk to you next week. 
1 Corinthians warned you about the women with a loud mouth, and this podcast is just that. Here at the Speaking in Church podcast, we talk all about the regular people and the things that regularly happen to them in the evangelical church. It's a podcast about change. It's a podcast about seeking moral high ground. And it's a podcast for people who are just trying to deconstruct on the safe side. You can listen wherever you get your podcast, And if you want to be a guest, yes, you, regular person, you can be a guest on the Speaking in Church podcast. If you want to come on, just let us know.